Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. We have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about a topic that is vital, and we're going to be diving in. Before we do that, if you are new to the show, every Monday we have an episode streaming on charismapodcastnetwork.com. You can also download the Charisma Plus app. Everything's on there free as well. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to, you can tap in. And so today I've got a teacher, a theologian. Um, um, you know, you've, I'm sure many of you have heard of him or read several of his books. Um, and so I'm excited to talk to R.T. Kendall today on the on the podcast He was a pastor at Westminster Chapel in London for 25 years. He was born in Kentucky, and he educated at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary at Oxford University. Uh, Pastor Kendall is also the author of numerous books, including Total Forgiveness, which I've read, powerful book, as well as More of God, Word and Spirit, and today, you know, many other books as well. But today we're going to be talking about his book, Double Anointing, that was released a few months ago. Double Anointing Lessons to be Learned from Elisha. And so I want to dive right in. I want to have as much time as possible to speak to Pastor Kendall. And so thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Privilege. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. It is a joy. And so um, I know I shared a little bit about, you know, I know you were a pastor and you said you're in Nashville, Tennessee as well, and you've released oh. a few books right now. So tell us a little bit about that. You mean the books that I've just written? Yeah, so the Double Anointing. Yes, the other books, yeah. Well, I've, uh, I don't know how far about it. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. let's see, a couple of years ago, I wrote the book, Chances Are You Might Be a Pharisee, If, and I give 25 possibilities. Mm. Uh, then I wrote the book, uh, Fear, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Mm. Then I wrote the book, Double Anointing, which mm-hmm. is about Elisha. Mm-hmm. And then last week, last week, uh, a different publisher than the one where mm-hmm. uh, these books have been by, has uh, come out with a book, Prophetic Integrity, mm. deals with the issue of prophetic people getting it wrong. Yeah. As you know, a bunch of, I mean, <laughs> it's a, a hot topic. It's a hot topic God, right well, now. They, they said God told them that. Trump would win, mm-hmm. and Trump apparently didn't win. They, and then they say, well, the Democrats stole the election. Tr- Trump really won. I said, well, then why didn't God tell you that was going to happen? <laughs> if you're a yeah. prophet, you're hearing from God, uh, but they get quiet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the time has come. People need to, be, need to come out of hiding, be honest, uh, because the prophetic movement is now the laughing stock of American Christianity mm-hmm. and these people so far don't feel any shame. You'd think they would be very humble about it. Yeah. They don't get that reaction so far, sadly. Now you didn't write about that. You didn't want to interview me mm-hmm. for that, but you did ask. So I yeah. hope you forgive me for mentioning that. No, absolutely. It's a vital topic. And I'm grateful for the ministries that did come out and say, hey, we did miss it. You know, several words we've released have been right. We did miss it in this area. And they came out humbly about that. But there are several ministries that haven't had integrity in that area. And it it really defiles the you know the prophetic ministry. It makes people not trust genuine prophetic ministry, and so I'm I'm glad that you wrote about that. It's definitely Thank vital you. for this time. Very um, kind of you to say. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, we need it right now. And so, um, in your book, Double Anointing, you talk about the life of Elisha, and you talk about Elijah. 
Um, why, why was this so heavy on your heart for this time to release a book um, about oh, Elisha? The last series I did at Westminster Chapel was on Elijah. Mm. And uh, a book came out called These Are the Days of Elijah mm -hmm. uh, several years ago. And then uh, in the past 20 years since been retired, I've gone back to London uh, several times, would stay six months at a time yeah. and preach at Kensington Temple. And I did a series on Elisha. And uh, so I've turned it into a book. Mm -hmm. And I want to have it ready by the 1st of July because I'll be speaking at the Cove, Billy Graham Training Center mm -hmm. in July. I want to have the book ready for them mm -hmm. because during that time, I'm going to speak about Elijah and Elisha. Mm -hmm. So we'll have both books ready. And that was the reason I got the book on Elisha done mm -hmm. yeah. because I wanted to preach on it. <laughs> well, you start off the book talking about the audacity of Elisha to ask for a double anointing of Elijah and how that might be like, what in the world? Elijah did incredible miracles. Elijah was a man of God. Elisha had the audacity to ask for a double anointing from Elisha. But you, you, even, you even talk about, hey, Elijah and Elisha were ordinary people, you know, and God used them in extraordinary ways. And so anyways, I know you talk about that a bit in the beginning of your book. I'd love to hear a little bit about that because God wants to use us. That's good news for me, good news for you, good news for us that God wants to use, you know, ordinary people in extraordinary ways. Yeah, well, they were absolutely ordinary. They were different in personality, Elijah and Elisha. I feel like I know a little bit mm. what they were like. Uh, in England, we have the word cheeky. Uh, <laughs> so Elisha was cheeky in going to Elijah and say, I want double your anointing. And mm -hmm. Elijah it took him back. Oh, wait a minute. You know, I am not sure Elijah was very happy to do that because mm -hmm. Elijah would risk that Elisha become greater than Elijah and yeah. Elijah be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And Elijah had been, you know, he'd done seven miracles, including, you know, on uh, the top of the mountain with the prophets of Baal, mm -hmm. uh, Mount Carmel. And it was an amazing time. And now here comes Elisha, who's a nobody. Mm -hmm. uh, who, he leaves plowing corn to now work for, with Elijah. Mm -hmm. I want double your anointing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Elijah says, well, now you ask for a hard thing. But I'll tell you what, if you happen to be seeing me when I'm taken to heaven, because I'm going to be taken to heaven any time now, if you see me when it happens, you'll get it. But if you don't, you won't. Mm -hmm. Well, as a result, Elisha stayed right there with Elijah. Yes. He was in his face 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour, every hour. And when Elijah would put him off and say, look, stay here, I've got to go over here. Elisha said, I'm going with you. Mm -hmm. In other words, he was in his face nonstop because he didn't want to miss that. And what we learned from that is if we ask God for something, uh, we must pray and pray and pray and not give up, not give up, not give up. And uh, then the time comes when uh, God will reward you. You know, when Jesus gave the parable about the importunate widow mm. who went and he told about the judge. Yes. Who finally said, I'll give you what you want. And Jesus said, we got to do that. Just keep asking. And then at the end of the parable, 
he asked the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, that's probably a second coming type question. But why did Jesus say it then? And that's because people often start out asking for something. And then they say, I don't guess it's going to be answered. And they give up. Mm-hmm. And God wants us not to give up. And that's what we learned from Elisha. He just was right there in the face of Elijah because there could be nothing greater than a double anointing. And uh, so that's what the book is about. And we as people, we must not settle for less than what Christ has for us. You you implore people in your book to, to receive everything that Jesus has for them. Why not ask for a double anointing? Why not ask God to increase the anointing on your life, more of his presence, more intimacy with him, to be used more in the talents and gifts that God gave us? We, we shouldn't settle. We shouldn't just, you know, and this is something that is really on my heart. It's my passion because I want to implore believers to step into the fullness of what Jesus has for them. A mantra of mine for many who watch the podcast, listen to the podcast, they know I want everything Jesus died for me to have. And I want nothing in my life he died to free me from. I want the fullness of that sacred blood and everything that he purchased for me in his sacrifice and all that he has done. And, and, um, and so I, when I was reading through that chapter, I was thinking to myself, yes, we, you know, to have the audacity, to have the faith, to ask God for the fullness in our lifetime and in our lives through us to say, yes, me, God, use me. Um, we, we need that. We need the God. God is calling his people higher in this hour. And so it's a beautiful thing. I, I agree with you. That's, that's the point of a book. That's <laughs> why I wrote the book. And I love that you even talk about, you talk about odd passages in scripture. And I always go back to the time where Elisha cursed the children because they, because they mocked him. And I always think like, what a perplexing passage. And you talk about that in your book. I remember being like, wow, he actually wrote about that in this book. But what I see in this generation, a lot of the time is a lack of reverence for the presence of God, a lack of reverence for the anointing. And what I've learned from the older generation, spiritual fathers and mothers of mine is to honor the presence and to honor God's anointed and to have that kind of reverence, respect, and fear of the Lord. I'm grateful I've had fathers and mothers pour that into me and and give me that kind of revelation that I'm, I'm learning to carry. But but you talk about that, and then you talk about Ananias and Sapphira as kind of another story that kind of goes well with Elisha. And I want to I wanna bring that up just because I feel like this generation needs this truth. Well, I used to take the view, I mean, years ago, that Elisha uh, misused his anointing mm. and 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 cause these kids you know to be devoured by the bears and all that. but i the more i looked at it no 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 it's the fear of god we've forgotten about the fear of god yes uh, there's no fear of god in the nation there's now there's no fear of god in the church and people thumb their noses the church doesn't seem to bother us and so we learn from that a sense of awe even with children of course uh, and uh, everybody needs to understand that the God of the Bible is a jealous God, mm-hmm. and he won't bend the rules for anybody. Mm-hmm. And we may not like it. We may not like the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We may not like a jealous God, but that's the way he is. And so I say, get over it. Mm-hmm. That, that's the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, I'm glad you picked up on that. Well done for you. 
Yeah, well, it's because, you know, especially in this time and this hour, there's people that they speak so flippantly against a minister or a man of God because they don't understand maybe their teaching, they don't believe in their teaching, or, you know, they don't like the way they're carrying their ministry one way or another. But um, at the end of the day, we got to learn from King David. Saul wasn't a perfect leader, far from it. Um, But King David would not speak against the anointed leader of God. And then look what happened to King David. He was exalted in his life and he was a man after God's own heart. And Jesus is sitting on the throne of David. And so anyway, there's a lot to learn from the scriptures that we need to carry on um, as, as a younger generation, learn from the older generation on how to honor not only men and women of God that are anointed, but also the presence of the Lord, have a reverence for the presence of God. Because we see Elisha pre-cross, pre-Jesus walking the earth in his sacrifice. But then you see Ananias and Sapphira, you know, post-cross, post-finish work. Um, but there was such a tangible, heavy glory on the church at that time when Ananias and Sapphira sinned against the Holy Spirit, which is vital that you pointed that out. Do you realize, I won't name any names, but mm-hmm. there are people, you would know their names. Mm-hmm who actually say that the apostles abused their anointing when Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead. I heard that. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. Heard, I've heard that. That's awful to say. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to mention the names, but they, these people should be sidelined. They should <laughs> not be in the ministry. <laughs> to, to take a line like that, that Peter would actually abuse the anointing. Listen, there was God at work. God was there in power. And uh, so I'm glad uh, we're on the same page there. <laughs> you put your finger in an electric socket. <laughs> what's going what's gonna to happen? There was such a weighty presence of the Lord. And so I, I really appreciated that you, that you talked about that. But so, and so you also talked about the new and the different. I'm going to read a quote from your book because I really feel like the Lord is bringing us out of the old wineskin into the new and he is, he doesn't want us just replicating old models. God wants us to be open and willing to step into the new. And God is calling people out to really embrace him and walk this life of faith so that the kingdom of God could, could advance in the earth in a new way, in the way the Lord wants it to. But in your book, you ask these questions. You say, are you open to the new and the different? Are you only open to the old or are you only open to the old and the same? And then you talk about, you know, the miracles of Elijah compared to Elisha and Elisha saw different miracles than Elijah saw in some, in some ways. And so I'd love to talk about that because I really feel like right now God is breathing upon the church. He's doing a new thing and I don't want to be left behind. I want to step into the fullness of what he has for me now. But remember this, this is very, very important. Mm. It will never contradict scripture. Mm. The new and the different. Yes will always be within the bounds of what the Bible teaches. And once we go off that map, we're in danger. Yep. The, the quickest way I can tell you, the quickest way to become yesterday's man, it's what happened to King Saul. You mentioned King Saul a while ago. Mm-hmm. The, quick, the fast route to being yesterday's man, disagree with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Go off the map. Mm. And that's what some are teaching, those very language. Uh, in the, uh, my most recent book, it just came out last week, Prophetic Integrity. I talk about that issue. I realize that's not the book you're interviewing me yeah. about. Yeah, and I'm not, wanting, I'm not wanting to change the subject, except mm. to say, 
that this is being taught by well-known charismatic leaders that we don't always go right by, by the Bible. And that's the mistake. They're going to lose the anointing so fast. It's not going to be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the enemy, there's a war on the scriptures right now. Progressive, yes. progressive Christianity and different things, trying to tear out certain sections of the scripture or saying, hey, this was written by man. This isn't 100 percent inspired by God. This is man's perspective here, not necessarily the words of God. And there is a war on the Holy Scriptures right now. We I'm need to, to go hear back. You, I'm glad to hear you talk like this. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me two or three years ago, said, what would you like to accomplish in your ministry before you die? Mm-hmm. I said, if I could get people to respect the Bible, that's all I want to happen. Well, I mean, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see uh, signs, wonders, miracles. I'd like to see a restoration of the gospel. But we're living in a day when people don't even respect the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's happening with charismatics, I have to tell you. And uh, yep. it's, we're, we're in uh, very dangerous times. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why the marrying of the word and the spirit is so important. Exactly. The exactly. marrying of the word. And we need both mm-hmm. and believe both equally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's people, man, we love the Holy Spirit. We love the gifts, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the fuzzy feelings we get in the presence of God. But there's no scriptural foundation there. So it's easy to be deceived. It's easy to listen to a lying spirit. It's easy to be deceived. It's easy to be led by your emotions only. Um, and then you have the other side of the spectrum where it's just like it's only Bible. It's all head knowledge. There's no openness to the gifts of the Spirit. We're trying to explain away miracle signs and wonders, which which cessationists do. And so we need to have the marrying of the Word and Spirit. I believe you wrote a book about that as well, the Word and the Spirit. Yes. And when you mention a lying spirit, you realize that in Elijah's day, God sent a lying spirit to the false prophets. Mm. I think that's what is happening in many cases mm. with well-known charismatic people who respected. You know, here's the thing. We are mesmerized by a prophetic guy who can call out the name of one person in an audience of 50,000 mm-hmm. on the 17th row, fourth from the end, and read his social security number with him. Yeah. Wow. But the same person doesn't tell us that COVID is coming. Mm-hmm. See, there's something strange going on. Mm-hmm. And we're living in a time that new and different must always cohere with Holy Scripture. Yes. And um, I'm thrilled the way you're talking. Well, I grew you're, up well, you're I, on my page. <laughs> I got saved in the Word of Faith movement, which, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not promoting that everything that came out of the Word of Faith movement is accurate. But what I'm saying is they they taught me Kenneth Hagin. I got books by Kenneth Hagin and different people memorize the word, speak the word, do the word, confess the word, sing the word. And and, you know, I got books by John Bevere as a new believer that really impressed upon me the a hunger for the word of God and the word of God is my foundation. And I've been a part of a lot of charismatic church circles. I've, I've been a part of different ministries and movements. And, and I, I feel that the word of God is the treasure of my life. It keeps me on course and on, and, and not only that, but the presence of God is everything to me. I can't live my life without the presence of God, without the Holy spirit in my life. And so I believe powerfully in the word and spirit. And so I'm so grateful to talk to someone who's a theologian, a teacher of the word that is open, not only open, but teaches and preaches on the gifts of the spirit wants to flow in them and has seen miracles in their life. And so that's why it was such an honor to have you on the show. And so we need that in this time. We need that in this generation. And so, um, when it comes to Elisha, 
what are some key takeaways um, that you really feel like maybe some truths that really transformed your life, some things that were really vital to you uh, to make you want to teach and preach on this and write a book like this? Uh, Elisha as a person was, was, was quiet. I don't think he had a flashy personality. I think Elijah as a man was very interesting. Yeah. And you can call him charismatic with a small C. <laughs> you know, he, he was really interesting. And uh, uh, but Elijah got it wrong mm-hmm. when he said, I alone am left. Mm-hmm. That was not true. That was not true. There were, God says, I've got a hundred prophets here. So Elijah took himself too seriously. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Elisha, I think, was a more humble man. Uh, and uh, he was uh, very keen just to please God. Yeah. But very interesting. You see, double anointing in Elisha's case didn't mean double the quality of the anointing that Elijah had. Many people thought, well, he's going to have double what Elijah, the quality. Mm-hmm. No, Elijah performed seven miracles. Elisha, 14. Mm-hmm. The double was in quantity, not quantity. Yeah. And so... Uh, when you pray for a double anointing and God gives it, it may not come the way you want it to come. Mm-hmm. It may not be applied as you thought it would. And another thing about Elisha, which may surprise you, mm. he died an unhappy man. Mm. Elijah was taken to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha died a natural death. And the last thing he did to give a word, uh, uh, take the arrow and tap uh, three times. Or tap as well, tap, and he only did it three times. He should have done it five or six. Mm-hmm. And Elisha failed to get him to see what he should have done. Mm-hmm. And in other words, a lackluster ending. Yeah. So a person who prays for a double anointing, God may give it to you, but you're not going to be perfect and it may not be everything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to learn. We need to learn from these stories. We need to, you know, and that's why it's in the Bible. Even the Apostle Paul said these stories all throughout scripture for our instruction to coach yes. us, to teach us so that we could live exactly how God wants us to in his statutes, in his ways. And so I love that. That's beautiful. I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. Um, and I highly recommend for the person listening and watching this right now to grab a copy of it. I'm reading through it myself. I've read through half of this already. I've read through the book and I, I, I love it and I want to keep reading it. And so when it comes to the prophetic ministry, because we've tapped into that a little bit here, um, in this podcast, because talking about Elijah and Elisha, we're talking about the prophetic ministry. But in regard to the other book you read about a, a sort of like a purifying or a cleansing of prophetic ministry, integrity in the prophetic, needing accountability in the prophetic, I would love to get free to speak a little bit more into that because there are so many ministries hiding right now in in words that they've missed. And there's ministries that are really shining to be pure prophetic ministries. How can we tell the difference between the two? What would you say to people who are in that prophetic stream right now that are kind of confused or hurt maybe by false words? Well, it's an unconscious abandonment of Holy Scripture. Mm. They want a word from up there. And what I have discovered about these prophets, and I happen to have known the best ones, mm. and I talk about it in the book, I, I, they're in heaven now. And I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I found out that the best known of them didn't read their Bibles. Mm. They did not read their Bibles. 
And one who I got him to read the Bible in the last two years of his life, he told me he never knew he could enjoy reading his Bible so much. Mm. You see what happens if you give if you have a prophetic gift, you just think, oh, I just want to hear from God. God exalts his word. Yes. And these people who don't uh, adhere to scripture, they're going to lose it. And they did all of them. Mm -hmm. They're not around today. Yeah. And some of them died, you know, under a cloud. Yeah. And, and, and uh, the fact that you've got a prophetic gift doesn't make you a godly man. Mm -hmm. You mentioned King Saul on his way to kill David. Mm. He prophesied. That's right. Yeah. And some would say, well, that must mean he's hearing from God. He's a, he's a man of God. No, you see, the gifts are without repentance. And these people have a gift. People assume they're godly. Mm -hmm. Not so. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my my book, Prophetic Integrity, uh, deals with this. And I call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not going to make me uh, voted as <laughs> their most popular theologian. Mm -hmm. But uh, I hope I'm, I'll be 87 years old next month. I want my legacy to be that I did some good uh, getting people to go back to the Bible. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned in the book, Prophetic Integrity, what has happened to the charismatic movement. Chances are you don't know what I'm going to talk about. Have you ever heard of open theism? I have actually. Yes. Okay. Well, you see, that has been injected into the mm -hmm. charismatic movement several years ago by a very famous charismatic leader. And he's ruining the charismatic movement now. He's dead, but people are accepting it. Mm -hmm. And I give in my book, Prophetic Integrity, 20 examples of what open theism will do mm -hmm. when it's brought into the charismatic movement. And uh, uh, mm -hmm. you need to get the book because I. I realize you're interviewing me for the yeah. Elisha book, but I'm glad to talk about Elisha, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but you, mm -hmm. You're kindly mentioned the other, and yeah. I just want to make it clear that I didn't mean for you to do that. <laughs> it's okay with me, but I, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, I didn't manipulate you to say that. No, things. no, no, absolutely not. And I love I when you when you started to mention because I didn't I didn't I I wasn't aware of that book coming out. And so when you started to mention the topic and you started to pour out your passion about this subject, I'm like, I want to hear more. I'm like, now I'm asking you questions about that because I want to I want to hear more about that. But the prophetic, you're right. It's not a qualification of someone's character, their integrity, or it's not even the fruit of of their intimacy with God in a lot of cases. The prophetic is a gift, and the gifts of God are irrevocable. The callings of God are irrevocable. Hey, the spirit of it. the spirit you of prophecy it. can fall on somebody who is exactly. not right with God in that moment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what I admire most about Elisha. Mm -hmm. Have you got to the place where Naaman the prophet is healed? It is told it. Uh, dip himself in the Jordan River seven times and is miraculously healed mm -hmm. of leprosy. And Naaman is so grateful that he says to Elisha, I need to do something to show my thanks and try to give him money and give him gifts. And Elisha wouldn't take it. Yeah. Okay. I admire that. But something greater than that followed. After Elisha turned Naaman down for, for letting him give him anything, for his prophetic miracle, mm -hmm. Gehazi, Elisha's assistant, ran back to Naaman and said, my master's changed his mind. He will take a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if he could get away with that. Mm -hmm. 
And so he gets the gift. And then Elisha says to Gehazi, what have you done? And immediately Gehazi is struck with leprosy. But that's not what I'm getting at. What interests me most is that Elisha doesn't tell Gehazi, you go back to Naaman and apologize and tell him I don't want his money. Do you know what? Elisha didn't even try to clear his name. Um, Naaman goes back home thinking that he gave money to Elisha, who wouldn't have it. Gehazi got it. Mm You would have thought most of us to say, you're going to go apologize. Sure, I don't want sure. them to think I did this. Sure. Elisha sure. doesn't even bother because Elisha knows that God knows. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You see, what I admire about Elisha, I think he was, you know, a, as a man, I think he was a greater man than Elijah. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. An example of it here. He just knew that God knew. <laughs> he, and, and that was enough for him. Yeah. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, uh, John five forty four. How can you believe who receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? And you see, the idea of getting only God's praise yeah. is perished from the earth. People want the praise of people. They do. We want yeah, you to yeah. notice. Uh, Elisha just wanted the honor of God, and that's what Jesus uh, tried to instill in us. And uh, I would urge that. And. Um, Living. So that kind of teaching comes out in all my books, actually. John 5.44, I think you can make a case that it's the most important verse that Jesus ever gave us. It's the reality of we, we're living for the eternal. We're not living for the temporal. Exactly. We're living we for the honor of God. Yes. I, I, I don't want your praise. <laughs> it's nice of you to say you think I'm a nice man or I'm a good mm-hmm. man and you like my books. That doesn't matter. What does God think? Mm. That's what matters. Amen. Amen. Well, I love to give honor where honor is due. As I honor you, I'm honoring the Lord. But in our hearts, when we receive that honor, we just go, Lord, you know, for me, what God told me when people would, people would tell me like, oh, wow, great message or, oh, wow, you're such a blessing. And they would say things to me. And, you know, the religious tendency would be like, oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory. You know, you didn't know what to say because you felt uncomfortable. So you say like, uh, yeah, well, it's not me. It's God. It's not me. It's God. You know, which if your heart's in the right place, it's fantastic to say that. But I remember I heard a man of God preach and he said, when somebody tells you something, he said, just he says, say thank you in person and walk away and take those roses, those flowers, like the, that encouragement that somebody gave you and just give it right back to Jesus. God, without you, I'm nothing. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And for me, I took that and I was like, wow, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be religious about this thing. If someone compliments me, I'm going to say thank you. But Lord, I just, I give this to you. You're the one worthy of all honor and praise and glory and adoration. I live for one, the audience of one, and it's the man, Jesus Christ. And that honor will live forever and ever and ever. That's my reward. If man praises me, I already have my reward, but he is my exceeding great reward. Very good. Come well on. done. Oh, amen. Amen. And so anyways, he, he's, he has my heart. I love, I love, um, I believe that this book has a lot of vital truths for people who want to grab a copy of it, double anointing. Um, but also, um, your newest book called prophetic integrity. That's the name of the book as well. Right. Yep. Prophetic That's very kind of you to mention. Thank you. A hundred percent. Absolutely. How can people, um, is there like a one-stop place to get your resources, find out more about your ministry? Well, I have a website, mm-hmm. rtkindleministries.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually do a 60-second uh, mm-hmm. video every day. 
Okay, uh, great. My tweets, a video every day. Uh, and then you can always go to Amazon and, and, and get any of my books. Awesome. Great. And so for those who are watching right now, before we end the podcast here, what is one thing you would just love to say to the listener and the viewer in this time, in this day, the craziness of COVID, the craziness of government, the craziness of the church, what's going on in the world? How would you just, just one nugget you can give to the people right now to end this? Well, it's my hope that the next thing to happen on God's calendar will be an awakening of the church before the second coming. Yes. We should pray that God will come sooner than later, as soon as possible, because we're in bad shape as a church, as a nation. And I I can't imagine it getting much worse. I just pray that it doesn't get much worse, that the anointing will come upon the church, will be awakened, and uh, the midnight cry will be at hand and will change everything. That's what we need to pray for. For the church to return to first love and for the fear of the Lord to be in us and for our passion to honor God, preach the gospel, to live on fire for the Lord Jesus and for awakening, awaken podcast. That's my, that's the heart and the crux of our ministry. Ephesians 514, wake awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. The Lord needs to awaken us first and then the world becomes impacted from an outflow of God awakening his bride and his people. And so Amen. I received that. I believe that. And so thank you so much for spending this time with me today, Pastor Kendall. I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on. And so thank you for the resources and everything that you give and your life poured out for the Lord. Um, You honor me. God bless you. Thank you. Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. For those who are watching right now, um, I'm going to put a description for uh, Pastor Kendall's website on there so you can get a hold of his resources. Um, And then also, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. Thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing this podcast. It helps it get out to more people. If you're on YouTube, you can subscribe, like, leave comments on there that I'll respond to. And so we want to get the gospel out to more people so they can be challenged, they can be awakened, they can be strengthened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless you, and I'll speak to you next time on Awaken Podcast. Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, Just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter his presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours. 
you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in his glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.